Welcome to the Read, Talk, Grow podcast, where we explore women's health topics through books. In the same way that books can transport us to a different time, place, or culture, Read, Talk, Grow demonstrates how books can also give a new appreciation for health experiences and provide a platform from which women's health can be discussed. At Read, Talk, Grow, we use books to learn about health conditions in the hopes that we can all lead happier, healthier lives. I'm your host, Dr. Denise Milstein. I'm an assistant professor of medicine at Mayo Clinic in Arizona, where I practice women's health, internal medicine, and integrative medicine. I am always reading, and I love discussing books with my patients, my professional colleagues, and now with you. I'm so excited to talk to three amazing women today. My first guest is Anne Kryle Esselstyn. She's been called the Julia Child of plant-based cooking. She's a graduate of Smith College and also received a master's in education from Wheelock College. She was an award-winning English teacher for 27 years, which she did all while juggling raising four children, coaching, and figuring out how to cook delicious and appealing plant-based oil-free food before the days of the internet. And singular focus is on creating recipes to prevent and reverse heart disease. And she collaborates with her husband, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. in counseling patients. She's joined by her lovely daughter, Jane Esselstyn, who's a nurse and is a fresh charismatic voice in the plant-based movement. She brings her passion, energy, and can-do attitude to her presentations, cooking demonstrations, and cookbooks. She's a nurse, a researcher, a middle school sex education teacher, and the mother of three. Jane created the recipes for the number one New York Times bestseller, Plant Strong. She co-authored The Engine 2 Seven-Day Rescue Diet with her brother, Rip Esselstyn, and the Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease Cookbook with Anne. We're going to discuss today their new release, Be a Plant-Based Woman Warrior, which is hitting the bestseller list as we speak. Anne and Jane host a popular YouTube channel featuring heart-healthy recipes and their next-door neighbors in Cleveland, Ohio. My final guest is Dr. Don Musalem, who's a consultant in the Department of General Internal Medicine at Mayo Clinic and an assistant professor of medicine. She's double board certified, including lifestyle medicine and medicine. She has over 25 years of patient-centered clinical wellness experience and is nationally recognized in the field of breast medicine, lifestyle medicine, integrative oncology, and cancer survivorship. She serves as medical director for humanities and medicine at Mayo Clinic in Florida as well. Dr. Musalem has a unique personal experience as a stage four cancer patient diagnosed just three months into starting medical school. She's also a heart transplant recipient. She shares that her journey as a patient cultivated her boundless energy and deep purpose to help guide patients toward renewed vitality. She founded and works in integrative medicine and breast health program at Mayo Clinic in Florida, where she introduces her patients to the importance of lifestyle optimization and mind-body practices. She's interested in research and the impacts of whole food and plant-based nutrition in breast cancer. Anne, Jane, and Dawn, welcome to the show. Thanks. So happy to be here. So Anne and Jane, please tell us, how did you come to this work? Where did it start? And how did you land with this incredible 
incredibly beautiful book just recently released. That's an enormous question. We've been doing this for decades. First (laughs) off, we need to give you the proper full title of the book. Be a plant-based woman warrior. Live fierce. Stay bold. Eat delicious. Just like Dawn and Jane and Anne. (laughs) Awesome title. And well, and it ties into actually why, uh, or to answer your question, this book is a tip of the hat to my mom because decades ago, I mean, four decades ago, early eighties, my father was doing research as a general surgeon um, around breast breast cancer and stuff. But anyway, he ended up following his research and it was reversing heart disease tremendously. And at the Cleveland clinic, a general surgeon telling the cardiologist what's going on. It took a while to get a group of patients to do research with. But once he did get that, he said to my mom, you know, we have to eat this way. No meat, no dairy, no added oil, all this stuff. She picked it up right then and there. Full-time job for her. Four kids, all athletes needed to eat a lot. Full-time uh, husband and a dog. And she's like, got it. And that was pre-internet. So we knew nobody who ate this way. On the West Coast, there was McDougal, who we knew. But, you know, the West Coast was like Europe back then. So my husband just started and I just started, we had been to Puerto Rico and had loved rice and beans. So we started with rice and beans and believe it or not, that's where we still are as one of our favorite foods. You know, you can add on and on and on. But the crazy thing to me is that my husband was doing all this research here in Cleveland, Ohio. And one day one of his patients came in and said, you know, I just saw an article in Discovery Magazine, as somebody is doing the same thing as you are. And that was Dean Ornish in California, who they were doing the same thing, but on different parts of the country. And Dean had started a little earlier and had published a little sooner because my husband was reluctant to publish quickly. But I mean, isn't it amazing that something so simple as plant-based eating took so long to kind of get out there? Well, Mother Nature put it in front of us a long time ago. For a while, we wrote books about preventing and reversing heart disease because we truly got on this track for health reasons, because of people's medical conditions and how beautifully this helped support health and turn around uh, symptoms and normalize all of our other systems. To stick with heart disease, in some of our books, we always have compliant recipes. My mom and I would you know, use that lens for a while. Then I did a bunch of books with my brother, Rip. I mean, this is my fifth and her third book. With my brother, Rip, it was more of like a firefighter lens, like keeping people young and healthy so they could do these extraordinary firefighter type things. And there are also a lot of athletes. And so anyway, finally, we were like, you know what? This cookbook is going to be who we are and how we have done this for the last 40 years. And here it is. Here it is. And it's so beautiful. I am excited for our listeners to look at these pictures and it's just glorious. It's so well done. Don, tell us about how you came to incorporate nutrition in your practice. I was actually raised really whole food plant predominant. I was really one of those fortunate people back in the seventies that my parents were just onto this early on. And my mom actually had shared a story that was, you know, when she received her copy of the cookbook. She was so excited to see that now this is so available to women because she struggled. The cookbook she had was like 
whole world plant or small plant world or something like that. That was the only plant predominant cookbook. And it would talk about, you know, trying to get complete proteins at that time, because they felt that you had to combine beans and rice, the same exact meal to make sure it was a complete protein. Otherwise your protein wasn't complete. We know now that's not the case. Your body kind of, it's like checks and balances, takes in a little bit, gives out a little bit, takes in, gives out. And so you don't have to worry about having it all at the same meal. So this interest started for me as a young girl, and it really is what cultivated my passion to want to be a physician in this space of preventive medicine and working primarily with cancer patients to help them, you know, uphold quality of life during treatment, but then to really flourish afterwards. And I see that in my patient population, that they just really, the, the majority of them do very, very well, despite going through chemotherapy and radiation, having these surgeries, when they're upholding these pillars of lifestyle medicine, and particularly that consistent with a plant predominant diet. So it's very, very, I shouldn't just say plant predominant because I should really say whole food plant predominant because that is such an important word. And there was just a research study that was presented at a nutrition conference. And it's very interesting. It carries home this message, 65,000 French women, half of them ate an animal-based diet, half of them had a plant-based diet. Those women on the healthy whole food plant predominant diet, and they did actually have a little bit of chicken, a little bit of fish. They had a reduced risk of breast cancer, but those women on the unhealthy plant predominant diet, you know, one that had a lot of processed foods, even though they were plant-based, had an increased risk of breast cancer by 20%. So that's why this cookbook is so wonderful because it gives us the opportunity to really embrace the beauty of a whole food plant-based diet that isn't from a manufacturer and it's beautiful food, it's healthy food, and it's just so fun. So I can't wait to talk about it. But my passion just became uh, very early in life and it was something I wanted to do since a young age. So I'm so fortunate to be in this space and be able to work with my patients. And now have a cookbook as a resource for my patients. So it's wonderful. Thank you both. Did you ever go astray away from the plant-based diet in your years? I was always whole food. I did stray away a few years after college and I did some fitness contests and I had this personal trainer that got in my head. It was before game changers, right? And so I was eating some animal products and it was interesting. And I, you know, I don't think this necessarily had any correlation, but it was a few years after when I was diagnosed with cancer, ironically. And as soon as that diagnosis came to me, I flipped back to my, you know, ways that I previously ate. And I've been quite committed to that diet ever since. And, you know, I really follow Dr. Esselstyn's diet to a T, you know, actually about a year before my heart transplant and after, just because I have to be so mindful of the risk of vasculopathy. So I do the strictest version of what your husband did research on. So I thank him. Wow. wow. Well done. Well done. You mentioned in the introduction that Jane is a sex ed teacher because this book is mostly Jane, but I think for women, her part in this book in the sex ed part, no, how plants powerfully support oh, women. Sorry, section. excuse me. That's what I meant. Might be of interest to you. That's definitely an area I want to talk about. You know, you talk about how the plant-based diet impacts hormonal conditions. You mentioned hot flashes, breast health, fibroids. Tell us more about that. I'm so glad we have Dawn here because I want her to continue with her studies. Again, we have a breast health physician on here and we have, here I am, I do research with the Cleveland Clinic as an RN and I'm a middle school sex ed teacher. But you know what? Arguably, that's where so many of these good habits start. So I love that. I feel like, you know, the catcher in the rye, like trying to get these kids before they get into adulthood and get into patterns that are really hard to reverse. 
kind of chiming into what you just asked and echoing what my mom said about being middle school sex ed teacher, I just wanted to bring in my two passions, which are food and sex, if you will. Like what a great life. I get to talk about food and sex all the time. That's kind of, I'm saying that kind of jokingly. Above the belt and below the belt, plants do powerfully support women. And above the belt, Dawn, please, like you could probably talk for 10 hours straight about how breasts are benefited from by plants or actually, and by not having dairy and not having meat in our diets, not just because they have hormones from those animals, but for so many other reasons. John, do you want to chime in about breast health? Something, anything to add to that? I'd love to. I would love to. And, you know, there was an amazing study that just illuminates the importance of the message you just said, you know, you just said, and it was published in 2020 with the Women's Health Initiative. Almost 49,000 postmenopausal women were followed at randomization. It was a randomized controlled trial. We never see this high of quality research design when it comes to nutrition, right? But in this study, it was randomized controlled trial. The women were randomized from either their standard American diet that they were on 32% fat into a 20% reduced fat diet. And at the study, they also recommended that they increase whole grains, vegetables, and fruits, okay? And so what they saw is that the 8.5 year follow-up during this intervention year, there was a reduction in mortality, very robust, 35% reduction in overall mortality. They continued to follow the patients beyond that. At 16 years, they still saw this reduction in mortality, a little bit lower, but 15%, but here it is. At the 19.6 year follow-up, they showed that in women who just happened to get breast cancer, it's, it's gonna happen, right? Those women had a reduction in breast cancer mortality. And what is so cool about this study is that when we put women on risk-reducing medications who are at a high risk for breast cancer, there has never been a study that showed that those medications improved their survival if they get breast cancer. So this is super cool. And it also showed us a reduction in more of aggressive breast cancer, one that's an ER positive but a PR negative breast cancer. So it was just the most amazing study, but that's just the start of it. And so when we look at other studies and breast cancer survivors, we see that when they eat a more plant predominant diet, one that's lowering glycemic index, refined grains, it avoids red meat, it avoids saturated fat, gets rid of trans fats, same thing. They have a 34% improved survival. And what was really cool in this study, this was the nurse's health study, is they showed that women who ate junk food all the way up until they got breast cancer, but then that they changed the way they ate after breast cancer, still got a benefit. So I love that message for patients because it's so hopeful that it's never too late. And then, you know, it's never about one food. So I always, I always tell patients it's not about one food, but this is super cool. So in women that have two servings of green leafy vegetables a day, 20% improved survival after a breast cancer diagnosis, a half a serving of cruciferous vegetables, they had about a 13% improved overall survival. Wait for this one. Simply two servings of berries a week, 25% improved breast cancer specific survival. This stuff makes patients so excited. And then soy, I just, Okay, you said 10 hours. I can really keep going 10 hours. How long do we have? So wait, but listen to this. So the American Cancer Society just published this wonderful, it's just great. So here's the myth buster. Soy is good for your breasts, okay? It is not bad for your breasts, but people and doctors still think that it's bad for your breasts. That was bad science. It was done in rodents and rodents do not metabolize soy the way humans do. But what it showed, and we know this for sure, is that soy after a breast cancer diagnosis reduces the risk of recurrence. And this is statistically significant. And moms with young girls, you want your daughters to have soy at a young age. That's when it's most important when their breasts are developing. So, you know, there is just loads of research when it comes to plant predominant nutrition that is really, really validating the fact that we need to do this. And not only does it, you know, help people live longer, but I, I really, I will say in my practice, I don't think that fear tactics are what work. It's the vitality. They're going to feel amazing. 
And so we are getting ready to do some really exciting research. And I'm partnering with an amazing company that I can't quite say yet, that they have designed for the first time, whole food, plant predominant nutrition, no oil. Wow. And it's going to be plant only. It's, I'm asking for it to be plant only because I do believe that a lot of these studies, we didn't see as robust of a benefit as we wanted. You know why? They didn't push it far enough. You know, they still let people have the dairy. They still let people have the meat, you know, chicken or fish, but this is going to be plant only. Sounds so exciting. No oil. Yep. And it's going to be a prescription diet. And so we will be controlling what the patients eat. They'll be on chemotherapy, chemoimmunotherapy. So we'll have high fiber. So we'll show, actually, we'll be looking at the breast tissue itself to see if the cancer treatment and the immunotherapy is actually improving the treatment effect. We'll be following cardiac markers to see if we can reduce cardiac toxicity, which obviously that's a topic very uh, near and dear to my own heart, because that was why I developed heart failure. We'll be looking at quality of life. The majority of breast cancer patients gain weight during treatments. We're very optimistic that they will not gain weight, which is super important because weight gain during breast cancer treatment, the majority of those women never lose that weight and that's not healthy. Are you running this study? We are in the, we are in the process of getting the funding at this time. So the study we're looking for 2023, we're hoping to get this started. Many studies to come after that. So I want to carry the torch that your husband started. So that's the goal. Please. Yeah. Carry it. And because that's the trouble with all these studies is they've never gone far enough. Yeah, I agree. Get the result that you really think is possible. You just said so many things there, Don. And I, I just wonder if we could like slow it down a little bit in case yeah. our listeners didn't quite catch all of those different healthy elements to include in the diet. So you talked about greens. I think people know what greens are. Berries, of course, people know what berries are. Soy. So I'm going to ask Jane and Anne to talk a little bit about their tricks and strategies for tofu, which I think some people are a little intimidated to use. But then you also mentioned the cruciferous vegetables. And the cruciferous vegetables are featured in Be a Plant-Based Woman Warrior live fierce, stabled, eat delicious, um, but they might not be labeled as cruciferous vegetables. So would you just give us that quick list of the cruciferous vegetables? Sure. So, I mean, gosh, you know, you can think of, I think kale, broccoli, and cauliflower are the first ones that my patients usually think of, but it goes so much deeper than that because sometimes patients don't like that. So you can think of bok choy. I may need to pull up a list beyond that. <laughs> oh, Brussels sprouts, of course. Like the purple cabbage and the green cabbage. And cabbage, yeah. They kind of have a little, they have a certain smell, hardiness to them and a smell <laughs> of them. You want them on board. They're just, you know, they're going to be like, boom, boom. The other one I commonly mention is collard greens. You know, yes. depends on oh, yes, what you culturally grew up um, eating. All right, Jane, take it away. So we have a section called <laughs> a bunch of BS, which is the Brussels sprout section. And so we have various different ways of doing Brussels sprout. We have purple cabbage in so many of our recipes and salads, I mean, whatnot. And sandwiches, just a little. Napa cabbage is all over the place or bok choy. Whenever we say greens, we really are referring to those warrior fighters of the cruciferous type. Soy, we have all kinds of tofu and tempeh. And mm -hmm. when, when Dawn refers to soy in these research studies, I have not read them. I don't want to assume, but when we talk about trying to get soy on board, we're talking some pretty non-overprocessed types of soy, specifically soybeans, often called edamame, and tofu and tempeh. Soybeans get fermented into tempeh. You can still see the bean itself in tempeh. And then they get more so into tofu and soy milk and 
maybe soy sauce, but we don't like to have soy powder, soy protein, soy isolate, sprinkle, sprinkle, blah, 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 but just those few types. So we do have a, a section here about how to prepare tofu and tempeh in a huge variety of ways, because some people don't love it plain. I used to call a really insecure friend because it would be like, oh my God, what are we doing? Are we dressing up in, in soy sauce tonight? Oh, are we going to be with mustard? Oh, are we? so now I think it's a really confident friend because it's like, okay, what do you need me to do? Want me to be salty and spicy? Oh, I'll be savory. Oh, I'll be apple sage. Oh, I'll be chorizo. You know, whatever flavor profile you want to throw on it, it'll, it can cling to it. It's a pretty amazing, versatile thing, tofu and tempeh. And it makes uh, the, uh, the light, the silken tofu makes fabulous desserts. Oh, I didn't go in the dessert section. So many of our desserts are, are not gelato. Yes, our gelato. We have a so gelato. And the Xander tart. Oh, the Xander tart. So yummy. <laughs> um, I have my fingers crossed to remind me of one thing, and that is, Dawn, I'm trying so hard to skew the data in the nurse's health study. I'm in that study and I answer all the questions because I'm an RN. Tell my husband, like, they want to know how much chicken I eat a year or a week or how much, how many medications am I on? And he's like, you're skewing the data. And I'm like, that's my job. I love that you mentioned it. I love it. Fantastic. Oh, it's great. And, and I love what you bring up about the sexual side effects. And, you know, Neil Barnard did a really great study that was published in Menopause where he had women on a whole, on a plant-based diet, plant-only diet, and then they had a half a cup of soybeans. And he showed an 84% reduction in hot flashes. And also they showed improved mood and improved libido. So there you go, Anne and Jane, that's the whole importance of it. It improves blood flow everywhere. So below the belt, there are so many benefits to eating a whole food plant-based diet as a woman. And at talking to middle school kids about the anatomy and physiology of below the belt boys, not a problem. Everyone knows the bat and the balls, the twigs, and the berries. They're so familiar with them. They you know, handle them numerous times a day because that's how they're made. Don, as a physician, wouldn't you say your kidneys don't want an excess of protein to have to filter every day? When we start talking about the female anatomy, people get kind of quiet and don't really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, when we look at the longevity diet now, we know we've overshot protein for so many years and animal protein is a culprit, but we don't need that much plant protein either. So, you know, it's just big message needs to go out to America that we do not need to be worried about super protein supplementation. 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight for a healthy person is all you need. Plant proteins. And then there's been some very interesting research with chicken, bacterial resistant urinary tract infections. As well as, you know, reduce glomerulin filtration rate, kidney failure that's associated with the animal proteins as well. And then the amino acids in those proteins and the animal proteins drive tumorogenesis. So this is where the research is coming. It's so exciting to see this, but when we see in that kidney space, some of what's being adversely driven by animal protein, it's very concerning. And then the antibiotic resistance, you know, I, I chuckled the other day because I had a doctor that was worried about taking antibiotics that I was recommending she needed. And I was like, but you eat animal products. You do realize you're getting a lot more, you know, you never use antibiotics. You really need this antibiotic right now, but uh, all those animal products you're consuming, you're being exposed to a lot of antibiotics more than you realize. As a sex ed teacher, like what did talk about this, I think about like, gosh, this antibiotic resistant bacteria found in chicken, you know, you can't get it out of your house, your hands, your sink or anywhere after for weeks. I think one other important component of your work, Jane and Anne, is that you talk about perfectionism and that we don't have to confuse eating a plant-based diet with perfectionism 
So if there are listeners out there who think this is so wonderful, how amazing that they eat this way, I never could eat that way. I think the book makes it so accessible and tasty and beautiful. But give us some hints on how women get started this way. The way that anyone gets started. And we just have been doing this for so long. It's such a process for everybody. Somebody might be like, oh, I'm eating, I'm eating whole food plant-based. Here I go. And then, you know, after 10 days, they like, oh my gosh, I was eating a cheese sandwich with my friend. That's fine. Just the next day, don't eat the cheese sandwich with your friend or have it again and start on the weekend. It's, it's a process that's going to make you feel better and feel healthier. I know that if Dawn or my mom or I suddenly, but someone gave us like a, a real milkshake and a hamburger and we had to eat it, we would be down for a day or two. I mean, it would just, it would be so overwhelming for our systems because we're not used to that. Well, we're your, used to your, clarity your and energy. taste changes. So, so does your gut so that you really- yeah. It would knock us down. But I have two things to say. I think for those people who have a scare, whether it's a heart attack, um, something, then it's very easy to change. I mean, they have that motivation. The hard people to get are those who are just going along feeling perfectly healthy. They just need enormous education. And also, when they slip up, I mean, if they eat the whole darn cake, then, you know, the next meal, get back and eat whole food plant-based. I mean, don't feel, okay, I've done it. I'm through. I think that is a key mental thing. But I think the mental part of doing this is just so huge. that And that will to do it for whatever reason. For some people, it's the planet. You know, this way of eating is such a powerful way. Like it you know, someone told me like, if you have a Prius, but you drive to a McDonald's drive-thru and get a burger, you're making so much more of a huge impact getting the burger, burger than you are driving your Prius. Like uh, animal agriculture on the globally is just overwhelming in, for in, in climate change. I mean, the thing um, that, that I've discovered because of sort of being with my husband for so long is that for heart disease, this is how can I say, miraculous. He gets patients whose hearts are scheduled for bypass. They don't want it. They don't have angina all the time so that it's a possibility. They do it. We have an 88-year-old man who was just in that situation. He just turned 100. But those people have to be strict. Well, people who are not coming at this with a disease right, state right. and don't, our compliance is not sort of life-threatening. Life I like how you asked about perfectionism. Um, Nobody can be perfect. No one can be perfect. And this is a community. Like, or this is a, this is not about restriction. And I, it's frustrating when it, we get sort of called out for that because we don't feel restricted. Like, I wouldn't want to have an egg McMuffin or whatever. I, I don't. In our book, we don't have any calories listed. We don't have any portion sizes listed. Because the cool thing, and I think why, and I think there's been, I don't, Dawn, if you know, studies that have shown that the this way of eating is one of the most effective because there is no calorie counting. There is no, you can have, you know, one half of one piece of a banana. I mean, so that lets people not feel hungry all the time. And I think 
the perfectionism piece, because I know it's a big word and it's a big trigger for some people and especially women. And that's part of why I wanted to have that section about, yes, it's the tip of the hat to my mom. And this is the tip of the hat to women who make the food just globally for most people. I mean, there's plenty of male chefs, but women, we do most of that thinking, working, mental labor, physical labor, and love labor of serving food, creating food. But growing up, I have three brothers and we I'm surrounded by them in age. And we all were crazy fit, nationally ranked athletes and collegiate athletes. And I was swimming for Michigan on scholarship and I'm feeling out and I'm getting curvy. And I, I'm like, wait, what's going on? Like, I, I got to get to NCAAs and I, what's, I don't, I, I'm not identifying with what's going on with my body here. And I know my brothers hadn't thought for one second about what was happening to them. Not one minute. And right at that time, boom, my parents went plant-based and it ended up working well for me. I never really liked meat to begin with, which was so fortunate. And, you know, it was easy to just avoid dairy. You've got friends who, who couldn't eat dairy. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's okay. So just figure out the way to make your way forward. And it's kind of been, I feel so lucky that I found this at that time. And it has helped me not be burdened or, I don't know, I burdens my bet the word I have for it by concerns about health. And as a female, like how I feel in my own body, my own size, my own sense of shape and identity. But perfectionism, people are they're drawn to our diet, this way of eating sometimes because it offers restriction and they want restriction. And this is not about, we don't want to get people um, heading down the path of an eating disorder, binge eating, disordered eating, none of that, please. If you tend to do that, this is perhaps not for you because this is really for health and your health might not, this might not be the healthiest path. So perfectionism, not our jam, but just let's all eat more veg, as they say in Ireland. I eat more veg. I actually sort of think it is scientifically the best path. Mother nature knew it. I agree. I mean, you know, for me, this isn't a diet for my patients. It's, it's nutrition. It's a way of life. And it's so cool what I see in my clinic. And you said it perfectly, you know, when a patient or when a person has a big enough reason why they're doing this, it is easy. They are empowered. And for them, this gives them autonomy over whatever it is that they're going through. So it's like magical. It's the best thing when I get to meet my patient with their newly diagnosed with breast cancer, to be able to sit down with them and spend a good amount of time talking about the ways that they can live healthy during their cancer journey. And I know very few cancer centers approach it that way, but Mayo Clinic does. So as soon as our women are diagnosed with breast cancer at Mayo, we meet with them. We talk about the importance of nutrition, exercise. You know, we have our women exercise during chemo because we know it improves survival. And then all the other pillars of lifestyle medicine are so core, you know, value, importance. But when it comes to this, you know, nutrition, I always want them to fix their breakfast and lunch. And I'm pretty firm actually, like, you know, because I feel so strongly that it's what you don't get that matters, you know, and there's a lot of compassion that comes at them when we talk about it, but breakfast is such an easy meal to make health or to start off making healthy. So we usually try to tweak that. And, you know, if they're doing butter, we'll switch it out with maybe avocado and get them something that still gives them some fat with those cravings. And you just get creative about whatever's special to that person, what can work with them. And so, you know, I meet them halfway and it's individualized. So each person kind of walks away with something different. It's so fun. And then for women, lunch is usually super easy to make plant predominant. That's usually where I put beans because I'm so wanting to optimize the gut microbiome for my patients. Many of our breast cancer patients go on to receive immunotherapy. And we know that beans and high fiber are what are key for that gut microbiome diversity. You know, they looked at 
individuals in the gut microbiome project, those who had only 10 or less different sorts of, you know, plant foods, so vegetables, fruits, whole grains, seeds, nuts, and spices versus those that had 30 or more. Those that had 30 or more had a more optimal diversity. And then those that had 50 to 70 had like, so that's what I try to aim for. So I tell them, you know, each time you go to the grocery store, have fun. Try to buy one or two things you didn't buy the, the week before. So they get that diversity. So I'm telling you what, we have so much fun. I get the most amazing messages from my patients, you know, especially in survivorship, that they're losing weight, their hemoglobin A1Cs are going down, their cholesterols are normalizing, we're stopping cholesterol medications, we're stopping blood pressure medications. It's so cool. And they just feel great. I just love it. I love what I do. I'm so fortunate to be able to work with patients with their nutrition as a doctor at Mayo Clinic. So it's wonderful. Hooray for you. But this book has made my life very simple because for me, I, I'm very happy with very simple food. It's just, I don't need a lot to make me happy, but boy, this is making, this is making me very exciting. And tonight I'm going to be making Anne's Warrior Oats. Just an FYI, I've, I've made it about six times since I got this. There's never a day that goes by that there's not some Anne's Warrior Oats in my refrigerator, by the way. It's amazing. But you know, Don, what I like about my Warrior Oats is that I want to get in, first off, so many things that, my, that I want. And here I get oats, which are so powerful, cholesterol-lowering. I get in turmeric, which I always want to have every day. I get kale or any green, any leafy green, doesn't matter what. It could be even the ends of dandelion. Any cruciferous. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some shiitake mushrooms. And, it's and chia and flax. And chia and flax. And, and nutritional, nutritional yeast. yeast. Yeah, and nutritional yeah. yeast, which makes, which is such a nice addition. It's not, you don't have to have me, but it, it is so satisfying and mouth feeling good in so many things. I had it this morning and I, I love my mom's words. We made so much fun of her for years. We called it her witch's brew. We were like, <laughs> yeah. but now we all crave it. We all want it. And, and so I made it this morning, but I didn't have any mushrooms. We have, we had a crazy weekend and I haven't gone to the store. So I was kind of putting my twist on it. And I, I was like, do I dare reveal what I'm doing? And I'm going to tell you guys, you're going to think I'm eating like the compost bucket, but I made her warrior oats, but I didn't have any mushrooms. So I added some spinach, but then spinach, you know, it's like, it just collapses. So I had a five ounce container of spinach. And I was like, hmm, wait, wait, I'm fine. <laughs> so and it all just melted in and became, so I had like this <laughs> oats and it didn't have the mushrooms, which carry some flavor. So I added garam masala, Mm -hmm. coriander cumin oh. and I had turmeric and when it came out I put like chia and flax and I I love pickled ginger with it mm -hmm. black pepper hang in there and blueberries oh. okay oh, I love <laughs> vegetables at breakfast I'm gonna try that that's a great idea I love raisins and things too it's like it's like it's all over a place and your your, oh. your mouth is loving it I've got to try blueberries in it that sounds like pepper it was like boom 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 and it was like party in your mouth all the color I think you hit you know 15 different things there people forget about spices and the medicinal value of spices and mm. so often patients come taking all these pills I'm like why don't you put that in your cuisine that would be a lot better for you it's great. Great cookbook. I mean, I just could go on and on about the various recipes. Your dressings are wonderful because that's the one thing that my patients really struggle with is, you know, when they're switching over to figure out healthier dressing. So I love the dressing part. And I love the, the one section I really love too, is the oil-free hummus. 
almost every hummus you buy in the market has added oil in it. And that drives me crazy. Have you made the smokehouse hickory hummus yet? The smokehouse hickory is so, it has that umami of the smoky. Oh, I bet that's great. Umami is the the seventh sense. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's, that's great. I'll have to try that one. I think we all have lots of ideas now for what we're going to do for dinner. I really want to thank you all for all the information that we shared talking about this work and your careers. And you are all just such incredible inspiration to women and people everywhere. Are you about to end? And and I don't want to end. It's been so much fun. in Cleveland and come to dinner at your house tonight is actually what I want to do. We are on refrigerator. I haven't Oh, decided. I can make some weird <laughs> Anne's warrior oats for you. <laughs> warrior oats for breakfast, warrior oats for dinner. It all yeah. works. Yep. <laughs> I want to thank you again for joining us on Read, Talk, Grow. It's been just fabulous. I hope that our readers will and listeners will look at be a plant-based woman warrior, live fierce, stay bold, eat delicious, <laughs> by the power duo, Anne and Jane Esselstyn. Thank you, Dr. Musalem, for being the scientific voice in the crowd and uh, for all of you again, for being an inspiration. Thank you, what a blast. Thank you, Denise. (laughs) Thanks, Jane and Anne. Thanks, Dawn. Thank you for joining us to talk books and health today on Read, Talk, Grow. To continue the conversation and send comments, visit the show notes or email us at readtalkgrow at mayo.edu. Read Talk Grow is a production of Mayo Clinic Press. Our producer is Lisa Speckhard-Pask and our recording engineer is Rick Andreessen. The podcast is for informational purposes only and is not designed to replace a physician's medical assessment and judgment. Information presented is not intended as medical advice. Please contact a healthcare professional for medical assistance with specific questions pertaining to your own health if needed. Keep reading, everyone.